this is Rob Rowe from the Shapeshifting Reality Podcast, and also working here with the famous and fabulous Debbie Dashinger from the Dare to Dream Podcast. And uh, we'd like to bring you today a, a great interview with J.G. Mubarak from Rhythmia. And he is also working with Agape. So you'll learn a lot about the, some of the integration between Agape and Rhythmia, which is quite interesting. And Agape with Reverend Dr. Michael Bernard Beckwith, to be clear, which Agape. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we cover a lot of ground. We talk about, uh, you know, where uh, plant medicine is headed in, uh, in, in general terms. We also talk a lot about some really specific, uh, you know, healings and uh, success stories that have happened uh, at, at Rhythmia. And Deb and I just got back from there a couple weeks ago. We had a phenomenal experience. So we'd like to share that with you all. So uh, please enjoy this great conversation with J.G. Mubarak of Rhythmia. Hi, this is Rob Rowe with, uh, working with Debbie Dash, and you're here at Rhythmia with the Dare to Dream podcast, and also the Shapeshifting Reality podcast, which is my own, and it's fledgling form. I have the great honor to be here with J.J. Mubarak. J.J., why don't you just give us a little big picture overview? Uh, we, we know a lot about Rhythmia already. I think most of our listeners have seen the interviews you folks did with Deb. So they probably have a little backstory. If they're not, they know where to find those those interviews. But uh, what can you tell us is the latest and greatest that's going on here with Rhythmia, and how are things looking for the near-term, intermediate future? Any kind of plans that might be going on, and maybe how things have evolved a little bit over time? You know, man, uh, I have so that that question is we're going to talk an hour. <laughs> the really cool thing is there's so much going on. There's so much. Uh, going on here at Rhythmia. So let's start with what's going on this week. Okay. Like we have 73 people here uh, on property and um, and there's tremendous healing, tremendous transformation occurring. Um, and people are seeing aspects of themselves that they were unaware of, suppressed. Uh, it's like, it's like um, uh, undistinguished programs that have been running in the background of their lives. You know? Very, very important. And, and now these things are being brought to the surface and it's like, oh, and, and the great thing about this work that we do is all you got to do is observe it, right? One of the teachings that we, we teach here is, um, is you don't have to engage. You just have to observe it and be with it. And in the being with it, you're healing it. So as this stuff is coming up, um, when we normally get reactive to something, oh, I don't want to see that. I don't want people are able to to go, oh, I don't have to do anything with that. I just said, oh, it's like a cloud passing by. And, and as, as you can observe it without engaging, it loses its power. Um, Absolutely. You know, one thing I, I've noticed, the people have encountered scary things. They have had, had trouble. And there's so much help there. All of the uh, shamans and the assistants that are in the room when all this is going on, so much beauty and compassion in their counseling and their behavior. I experienced it last night. I was feeling a little, little bit of tension, and I, I went to uh, Brad, uh, Pat Brad, not the other, <laughs> and, and shout out to him. You guys come here, you gotta talk to Brad, coolest guy in the world. He got me tuned up, gave me a little rape, all my tension melted away, and he said, just go you know, back to your bed, lay down, put your hands up, be in a receptive mode, and just chill. Yeah, exactly what I did. It was perfect. Mm. Just so much what the doctor ordered. And uh, I, I see that all around. I see, you know, and there's always someone looking out for you. You know, if, if you're 
having any kind of stress or anything like that. Sometimes stress is part of the process, yeah. but if anyone, you know, raise their hand, hey, little help here, that help is always there. It's just so great. And I'm so grateful to hear that. And and that is, that is, uh, so when you ask the question, what's going on in Libya, the first and most important thing is week after week, week in, week out, people are coming, healing that which no longer serves them, releasing the things that are no longer serving them by seeing some aspect of that that they hadn't seen before. And in that releasing, there's a tremendous healing and it re restores a sense of purpose, a sense of uh, vigor for life, a sense of um, direction, energy, you know, physical things are healed, like physical healings, emotional healings. So that's one of the things that goes on every week. And, and, and to acknowledge our beautiful staff, which I've just not worked in a business where so many people have the genuine care and nurturing of your spiritual, mental, and physical well-being as their highest mission. Like, I think that's what you're experiencing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the, as great as the spiritual and emotional part of it is, but you mentioned physical healing, and that, that might astound a lot of people. A lot of people might say, well, how can that possibly be? How can ingesting a plant from the jungle heal cancer? How can it heal Lyme disease? But I personally spoke to a woman, and I'm sure you know many more, uh, who, whose daughter came here with a horrible case of uh, Lyme disease and went home without it. I don't know how such things can happen, but I don't have to know. I mean, it's, it's just enough that it does happen. You know, uh, Joe Dispenza said something that I really loved. He said, uh, science is the new um, language of mysticism. That's yeah. quite interesting. Yeah, it's a really good, really good thing and a really great vision. And, and um, what we do in ceremony is you know, there are, who we are is like on a spectrum, right? It's, it's this, this, this whole um, uh, vertical spectrum, let's say. And, um, and in this physical, denser form, right? but then there's, there's aspects of us that, that are lighter and aspects of us that are heavier, right? This whole mm -hmm. kind of spectrum. So as we take this medicine, it has a very high frequency, right? All things, everything in the universe is in frequency and vibration. Everything. So, and this is scientific. This is one of the right? So, so this plant has a frequency. This particular plant, ayahuasca, has a very high frequency. And so when we ingest it, it helps us lift our minds above confusion. It actually helps us to see, what, when we're saying, I'm seeing hallucinations, we're actually seeing the unified field. We're actually seeing something other than just what our senses, what our physical uh, five senses can see. We're seeing beyond. And the metaphysical principle is we have eyes because we can see. We don't see because we have eyes. Right? The, the, the consciousness follows form. So this form was first an, a consciousness that became form. There was an idea of a phone, and then it became a phone, right? Okay. So consciousness follows form. So if that's the truth, we're asking how, this, how do physical healings happen by going into a spiritual journey? One idea might be that as we, as we ingest this high vibration frequency of this planet, it helps us lift our minds above just the physical. Now we're seeing more of the spectrum of life that's expressing through us. And, and when, we, when we can heal something in, a, in an elevated state of our awareness, on a higher level of our, of our spectrum, 
it heals everything in that spectrum. So in, in the spirit work, in the, in, the, in the shadow work that I'm doing in ceremony, I heal something as, as a, in quantum physics, it's moving from particle to wave, right? So it, and that's one of, the, one of the things about quantum physics, right, is that, that, that matter can move from matter to, to frequency and frequency to matter, from particle to wave and wave to particle. So if I become more wave, more frequency, on higher vibrational frequency, then when I heal something, as a wave, when I return to particle, it's healed. And the, the beauty of that is a person doesn't have to understand the mechanism. Right. All you really have to do is trust the process. And, it, and one of my spiritual experiences, I, I had the very good fortune to work with an absolutely beautiful uh, teacher and mentor, a guy named Michael Gross. Shout out to you, Michael. If you're here, he's up in Washington, an absolutely phenomenal individual. And the work he did with me really helped me, you know, prepare for this. And um, a, a lot of the things that were already healed when, when I had my first ceremony, I think gave me a jump up. So we don't want to say that this replaces any spiritual work. If you're already doing spiritual work, go for it. Keep up with it. In my case, it was timeline therapy. Basically, you know, looking at my life back from my present point to birth, and then also from birth back into past lives. And going back to each particular time when there might be a significant event in dispelling that. So I think that's a bit of what happens automatically here when we do this. We get healings that we don't necessarily even understand, and almost better yet, don't require a real conscious, purposeful action on our part. All we really have to do is trust the process. And that's where I was going with this. Yes. Because in one of my meditations in, in working with Michael, I, I received a very simple sentence, but so relevant uh, from one of my guides that said, if you trust the source, trust the content. And if you can come to a place like this, you will trust the source the first moment you come here. So if you could trust the process of being here, for me, it was very important to come back to that with ever I felt, you know, something, well, I wasn't sure if I want to allow this. I've got two little, little mechanical doctors that want to work on me. I don't know about that. But I fell back into that concept of, of trust the source, trust the content. And with the, all of the excellent workers around there uh, and, and the whole you know, place here, the entirety of it, what can you do but trust it? And that just made it so easy then for me to trust the content. And I love that. I, I think I really had a, a lot of good healings myself. And you mentioned something else that I would just like to get your take on this. It's kind of a concept I've been kicking around in my own mind is the shaman, shamanism thing and science. I was going to say versus science, but they're not opposed to each other. But it reminds me of a story that I heard from the bodybuilding world. And there was some study that was done in the early 2000s. Uh, Russian bodybuilding techniques from the 1960s have been proven to work well. And, and the Russian response is, yeah, no shit. We've known that for 50 years. So it's kind of now with, with science understanding the frequencies of the body, understanding our energy fields a little bit, and the quantum physics aspect of you know, our, our higher and lower selves, I kind of feel like the shamans might be saying, yeah, no shit, 
We've known that for 5,000 years. And then it, we bring in the aspect of religion. And in the early parts of the, the Enlightenment period, the scientific revolution, 1600s, 1700s, Galileo, Isaac Newton, and all this, it was kind of like the scientists versus the church. And the churches were saying, oh, no, we don't, we don't know about that. You know, the, the sun revolves around the earth you know, because of this or that. And, of course, science prevailed. And I can't help but wonder if what shamanism is bringing to modern healing, because these are modern people, these are, you know, nice regular guys in, in their, you know, polo shirts and hats and stuff in there. They, they weren't, you know, people out of the jungle in feathers. But they, they were doing real shamanism. So do, you, do you feel that, that, that there's kind of a shift and kind of a convergence happening? Absolutely. In, in fact, okay, so I want to go back to, you know, the Enlightenment period. And it really was religion versus science because religion is, in that context, is dogmatic. Mm -hmm. Right? So dogma versus spirituality, right? right? And, and so in, in terms, when, when, I'm, when I'm committed to a dogmatic belief system, anything that is opposed to that threatens me. And then you have like the Inquisition, right? What we're seeing now is that this, this dovetailing of science, that's what I love in, in Joe Dispenza's uh, comment, I just, it, it, it's important to give credit where credit is due, you know, that science is the modern language of mysticism, because th there's a dovetailing of what the sages and, and, and wise men and, um, and great spiritual leaders and gurus of the ages have been saying, and now, you know, when, when, when the mystics say there's one source and one energy uh, in the Bible, it's, um, you know, I am the Alpha and the Omega without beginning and without end. Consider the first law of thermodynamics. There's one energy. Energy is neither created nor destroyed, but transferred and conveyed into various forms. Sure. It's some kind of signal, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so we can get a sense that, 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 that what, what the metaphysical teachings have been telling us, the great wisdom traditions have been telling us, that we can heal ourselves, that we have, um, that there's more to us than what's, what's seen. That, you know, the whole ancient Egyptian world was preparing you for a life after life, right? Everything, all of it is, is now, oh, yeah, there's, there's more. There, now, for example, there's more than, than what we can see, right? Uh, it used to be, if I can't touch, taste, feel, right? That was a sort of enlightenment, right? I've got I've to gotta nail it down. But, but what we see now is, is really uh, look at light, the spectrum of light, right? We know that there's infrared, there's red, I can see the color red, uh, but then there's infrared, there's ultra, there's all, the, all different things in the spectrum that are not visibly seen, but yet we believe. That's where science comes in because it's the language in which we can talk about the invisible in a way that people can relate. If I start talking about presence called God that's everywhere present and active everywhere you're like mm, not that but if I can talk to you about gravity right? <laughs> if I can talk to you about um, uh, an electromagnetic field sure that's something that we can oh well, I can measure that I can so but but really the electromagnetic field the energy of all of life that's expressing through in and as everything is the energy of God nobody experiences God no, nobody sees God but we experience it nobody sees life I don't know what life looks like, but I experience it popping up everywhere, right? And so it's the same idea, this dovetailing of science and spirituality, and I think it's a 
it is um, so, it's the point of entry, right? I, it took me a long time to get to a place in my spiritual growth and development, but I had to come to it through first law of thermodynamics. That really was a way that I could begin to see the alpha and the omega, the eternal aspect of life. Then the second law of, me, of science that really got me thinking about spirituality was Einstein's special theory of relativity. E equals MC squared. I'm not a mathematician, but I don't know anything about the math that got you to E equals MC squared, but I know E is energy and M is mass or matter, and they're on opposite sides of an equal sign. So energy equals mass. That's what quantum physics is saying. I can be a particle, I can be a wave. And at that speed of light, the C squared part, right, is where matter becomes energy or energy becomes matter. It's right at that point where source energy starts to become Consciousness starts to become form. Consciousness precedes form. So um, when I begin to get, oh, wait a minute. You mean this is just slow stored energy? There's one energy, it's always expressing, and that energy is in me, but the same energy is in this inanimate object. And so it's just slow stored energy, energy vibrating at different frequencies. And then there's energy that's lighter than me that I can't see. Infrared. Oh, okay, so now it's a spectrum. And, and, and it's one source, one energy, one life expressing who and has everything, and it can become consciousness, it becomes form. In the beginning there was the word, and the word became flesh. Wow, okay. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I couldn't get to the biblical metaphysical teachings or the teachings of the great mystics um, on my own, but through science I could get to And Absolutely. then, and now the spiritual part of it is the, the bigger part of my life. But it had to get there through science. You know, based on everything you were saying, I was, I was thinking about uh, something I heard in a coffee store. So I really want to give a shout out to uh, Reverend Michael Beckwith here. My I teacher. We talk more about that. And also shout out to you know, one of my favorite authors uh, on the sort of shamanism, spiritual space, Jeremy Narvin. I love that. I uh, love that book. Do you know? Uh, not personal, but I don't, has he been here? No, but I, 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 I love the, the Cosmic Serpent. Cosmic Serpent, okay. So Cosmic Serpent is a lot about DNA. And you know, he was on this journey to try to figure out why there were so many shamanistic references to something very much like DNA. You know, the Twisted Serpent, the Anaconda and the Boa Constrictor, the, the uh, ladder going to heaven with you know, the, the rungs across it, the vine, and, and the, the language of twisting, twisting. Remember that part of that? Yeah. And he came to the conclusion after you know, he, he interviewed shamans, he interviewed physicists, uh, you know, cellular biologists, uh, experts in genetics, and he came to the, the point of knowledge that our DNA emits a couple things. It emits biophotons, mm -hmm. hence one possible reason why we see what we see in the biomedicine, and it emits radio waves, hence the experience most people tend to have on you know any kind of mind-altering substance or, or many of them of the connectedness of all life well, yeah, it's one thing very common almost everybody probably here probably feels is that i'm now connected to everything and what does everything have that it could possibly be connected to dna from a blade of grass to a rose bush to a human to an elephant we all share the common language of agct yes. dna and that's Every piece of DNA in every living being is emitting 
radio waves and biophotons. And what Michael Beckwith said in one of his services, uh, he was talking about the nature of, of God, and I've always had, had trouble with this. So if somebody asked me, Rob, do you believe in God? Oh, how exactly are you defining that term? And, you know, people sometimes say, well, you either believe in God or you don't. But it's never been that simple for me. But what uh, Reverend Beckwith said in one of the ceremonies was he said that really what we're talking about is the connectedness of all things. All life on this sphere, all life in any other dimensions that are above us and any other dimensions that are below us. It's all the connectedness of all that life. I go, okay, that I can wrap my mind around. So if we're talking about God and we're talking about shamanism and we're really talking about the same thing, I found that to be, it, it gave me some peace. Absolutely. It, it, it gave me a realization that, okay, we, we really are talking about the same thing. And there's really not a conflict between the different ways of thinking. Do you agree? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I've studied with uh, Reverend Dr. Michael Bernard Beckwith for the last 10 years, and, um, and he is my teacher. And I'm a, an agape licensed spiritual practitioner. And it is a, a, a defining aspect of my life. Um, and part of what we do is pray. I, as a practitioner, we, we do a specific form of prayer called scientific mind treatment. <laughs> and uh, and it's beautiful. Uh, and um, my sister is a Pentecostal Christian. And we were together recently, and I said, you know, we may have a family meeting, six kids, and we're, we're talking about preparing for my dad. It's probably close to transition. And so we had to have a family meeting. Right? And I said, you know what? And they asked me, and you know, they asked me to leave. I said, okay, great. So I said to my sister, you know what? Let's pray for this meeting. Let's set an intention. And, and let's have a prayer. And she goes, okay, great, I'll pray. And I said, um, okay, let's do a round robin. You pray like She goes, no, I'll pray. And I said, why? And she said, well, because I don't know who you're praying to. And I got really offended by that, which was a great lesson for me because I'm learning not to be so reactive. I was talking to I talked to her, my book about that. He goes, well, you're not praying to anything. You're praying from. You're praying from an awareness of oneness with all of us. Right? Awesome. Right? He just, and Ernest Holmes, who's another great metaphysician uh, and spiritual teacher, founder of Science and Mind, said, um, God is the one knocking at the door, the one answering the door, and the door. <laughs> right? So I, I, I'm coming to a deep awareness of my oneness with all of life, that there's one energy expressing through everything. And, and, and it has to be expressing through me. Uh, it can't be any other way because it's expressing through you. It's the same thing. So if, if I'm one with it, then the purpose of prayer is not to pray or beseech something outside of me. Oh, God, I'm so big, I'm so small. <laughs> right? but, but the purpose of prayer is to lift our minds above confusion so that we see clearly the truth that there's nothing separate from me because all of life is trumpeting that I'm separate. You seem different than me. I seem different than the table. There's other people, right? Everything is saying there's separation. There's things, right? And and um, and the purpose, the metaphysical principle, is to see through the illusion. And this is what Buddha's been saying. This is what all the great teachers like, see through with Maya. See through the, the illusion to the oneness and unity underneath all of it. And that's where we're back to what we were saying that science is the modern language of mysticism because science is helping us see the oneness in back of all. 
all of it, no matter what the appearances are. And um, so, so yes, the the. the so it kind of takes this big thing out because I, I I always kind of had a little bit of a problem with well, it's in the Bible, so just have faith, you know, just believe it. Because it's almost like saying, take this medicine because it's good for you. Right. And I, I'm always the guy who says, well, you know, wait a minute. What's the, what's good this going to do? What, what's the mechanism of action? What are the side effects? This kind of thing. So I've always kind of been that way when I hear about faith as well. But from what you're talking about, it provides comprehension without having to just accept something blindly. And, and there is an element of a mystery to life, right? I mean, there, there's still, no matter what we can do, there's still... A mystery. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a, a sublime aspect to what we're experiencing. Science can, you know, Jeremy and Arby can talk about all of the DNA and aspects of the cosmic serpent and get it all down. We can tell, I can tell you that certain compounds in ayahuasca and DMT and what it's doing, and, but it can't approximate the experience. Of, like true. I looked outside and I saw a spaceship and I knew it was for me and I got in and it took me to a Chinese restaurant. The Chinese restaurant was empty, but I walked you know, like, <laughs> like you just can't make that shit up. <laughs> so we know physically we can scientifically assess it and all that, but there's still a mystery. And faith is uh, an aspect of uh, uh, an aspect of the trust in the lawful nature of the universe. So, Ernest Holmes says, um, for example, the nature of the universe is reflective. That it reflects back to us what we put into it, right? There's a creative medium that responds to our thinking. And if I'm thinking, oh, shit's, this sucks, life's going to hell, blah, 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 that's going to help picture it as that. And so it is, right? There's no possible way. Henry Ford said, there's, there's not one, uh, somebody more meat and potatoes in the world than Henry. We're not talking about woo-woo sign, metaphysical shit. He said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're probably right. Yeah. Right? So mm -hmm. it's that that's a, a, an expression of the truth. There's a there's an uh, energetic, there's a, a creative medium that responds to our thinking. And uh, Ernest Holmes talks about the reflective nature of the universe, that it's like a mirror. And when I stand in front of the mirror, I know that the image that's being cast back is exactly what I'm putting in. And I don't have to force it. I don't have to pray to it. I don't have to manipulate it or cajole it. it it's automatic. If that's the nature of the universe, that what I put in is reflected back to me in exactly the measure that I express it, and I don't have to do anything to make it happen. It's just happening. Um, if I had as much faith in spiritual laws, he says, if we had as much faith in spiritual laws as we do in in, in in uh, scientific laws, in physical laws, we would be living in a world of miracles, right? So we, we've got it. Um, faith isn't completely taken out of the picture, but we know two things, that it's a lawful universe. Um, you know, the word Lord means law, right? So um, uh, this is the day the Lord has made. This is the day the law has made. It's a lawful universe, it's systematic, and at the same time, there's something mystical and personal about this presence that's lawful. The, the law is impersonal. It'll, you know, the, the boat, uh, uh, buoyancy works for sinners and saints, right? Doesn't matter, lawful. So Hitler can use the law, and Mother Teresa can use the law. Same law. Now, the personalized expression of that law 
the presence itself expressing through one of the trees or expressing through an eye. That's a, that's a different aspect of it. And I don't know that I'm nailing it right now in this conversation, but there is a distinction there between the personal presence, the, the, the I have a personal relationship with this presence that loves me and sees me as magnificent and only wants my happiness and is tirelessly working on my behalf. That's a personal, mystical, faith-filled relationship. But the lawful expression is, it works the same way every time. Yeah, I, I think for me, that one, one of the ways I'm gonna be significantly changed uh, going back is the conceptual part of this discussion has been largely removed as, as far as who's really at the top. And for me, there's probably another energy as well, or maybe a masculine energy, but for, for me, I had a direct conversation with the supreme feminine energy, and I will be forever changed. No one can ever take that away from me. And yeah, and <laughs> the crazy thing was, there was a personality there. And it wasn't, you know, some like voice from the heavens, you know, like golden ark. It was just like a, like a real person, a, a woman, very beautiful woman, very lighthearted, very uh, sexy, uh, very personable and funny. And uh, she just was exactly what I, I needed to hear. And I, I started talking science with her a little bit. I said, well, no, what about all this information theory? What about all this stuff from like Andrew Gallimore or Rick Strass? We're talking about you know, different layers of information and our brain just being software and how we interpret it. And uh, maybe there are other entities that might exist on other levels of information. She says, sure, that's all good. You know, that's there, but it's all my information. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, okay. Don't get twisted where it's coming from. You know, is that, is that like, yeah, yeah, actually, you know, I, I just uh, got the visualization of you know, the, the pyramid that uh, um, Merrill. Merrill draws, and also, you know, the, what we always see in, in diagrams and the different colors of the chakras and all that. Uh, in one of our, our classes, we were talking about pyramid with the crown chakra at the top. And, uh, you know, that's how I, I visualize her when we were having this conversation about. about blue star at the top of this pyramid with all of her light and energy filtering down through all levels of it from you know the cosmic to the mineral level you now from seven to one and um, now that I've got that it's it's altered altered my way of thinking about everything plus now that I've talked to her once I can probably talk to her anytime I want <laughs> kind of cool absolutely and, and, and that relationship was never not there. It was just suppressed by our willingness to see. Right. right. It was just suppressed by lower, denser thought forms that had us believe we were separate. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they say that it's a still small voice. It's neither still nor small, we're just <laughs> ignoring it, you know? <laughs> let, me, let me ask you, uh, did you get this experience uh, that, that you can do. You, um, do you mind if I ask maybe roughly how many ceremonies you've participated in? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, maybe 15. Okay. Not many. Oh, I mean, wow. Not, not compared to... Yeah, that's not a ton. No. Um, it, you know, I had done... This was a great... You know, you were talking about uh, earlier in the conversation about um, uh, you know, this isn't in, in a... This isn't 
to replace your spiritual. Right? right. We talked about the, the work that you had done to get here. This really augments and amplifies the work that we're doing. Um, and so as a as a as a practitioner, Reverend Michael talks about, you know, practitioners in the body of knowledge, practitioners in the body of consciousness, an awareness of oneness. Our job as a practitioner is to see wholeness everywhere, no matter what. Show me somebody who's sick, I see wholeness. All right, that's 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 the consciousness that he is. And so, um, so it was 10 years of working with Reverend Michael, really uh, um, learning the metaphysical teachings of Agape uh, in my training. It was a four-year licensing program to become a practitioner. It wasn't like, you know, oh, it's a six-month program. No, it was four years. <laughs> it's like another degree, you know? Okay. And, and so I'll just say that that, that, that I think really amplified my experience. Oh, Yes, let's talk about agape for a minute because I find it fascinating. I love going there. Um, I'm fortunate to be in LA where you know the, the central location is, but uh, I know you folks live stream all over yes. the world. And uh, I know there are several agape uh, practitioners here uh, right now. And uh, I know uh, Reverend Beckwith has, has been here uh, and spoken here. So you know, what, what can you tell us about the, the connection? I get, I get the sense they're still treading very lightly as far as you know, discussing the kind of things that happen here publicly. Probably you know, for obvious reasons, there's probably still some, some stigma uh, amongst you know, many people, uh, clearly amongst politicians, you know, things to do with drug laws and all of that. But, but do you see Agape becoming more uh, public about discussions of, of my medicine ceremonies? Well, Reverend Michael's very public uh, about it. Um, uh, the, you know, Jerry found Agape, and Agape was a huge part of his awakening, right, with his healing. And so he is a beautiful, Jerry is such a beautiful man to honor Reverend Michael in the way, like I said, hey, man, you were a huge part of my coming to this point right here. And so that's the connection. And, and, it, and Reverend Michael comes here twice a year, every year, and speaks. He supports us, uh, and we support him. You know, uh, uh, and, and I and he, I think he sees um, my role here as an extension of agape. Oh, awesome. so, so it's a very uh, harmonious and synergistic relationship. Now, is he talking about ayahuasca ceremonies? in every sermon or every, like, every talk that he gives? No. Um, but the, the truth is that the metaphysical principles are the same, right? What, what, what people see in ceremony and the truths of the plant medicine, that's like, that's just a tribute to Reverend Michael and how aware and open he is. I went to Ghana with him uh, several years ago and, and we went and met a good friend of his, uh, uh, Brother Ishmael Tekta, who is who is coming at the same metaphysical principles, but from a, a, a tribal, you know, a nature perspective, right? So just like ayahuasca, ayahuasca is the the traditions of of the ayahuasqueros is um, is that we go into nature and this is a teaching plant, and we receive wisdom and insights from nature, right? And and things that that are that are given to us from another realm, uh, and and. That is very, so that's coming at it from nature. 
metaphysics, metaphysicians are coming at it from, we move into higher states of awareness by lifting our, lifting our minds above confusion so that we can see clearly oneness. I mean, they're coming at it from different directions, but it's the same. So I think it's very consistent. Um, the principles that are taught here are consistent with the principles, the metaphysical principles. And that's why Reverend Michael feels comfortable associating when we teach his work here. You know, uh, we teach The Answer Is You, which is one of the metaphysical classics that we teach here every week. So he's licensed us to, to do that. And, um, and I think he's very pleased to listen in association. Awesome. What are you seeing from, from your viewpoint about the expansion of plant medicine value throughout the world and throughout societies and in, in particular communities that may really need healing that may not have a lot of access to it, you know, inner city communities, maybe uh, people um, you know, from distressed areas of the world, Middle East, Africa, uh, are, are you seeing any kind of a, of a spread and maybe any kind of inroads into healing like at a cultural level, maybe people that have experienced human trafficking, obviously a huge portion of America has experienced their ancestors as slaves. There's got a, I would have no idea how to work with that, but I can only, you know, give my compassion to, to those folks who are in this, that situation. But what a, what a heavy thing to bear. And it would seem to me that, you know, this kind of a healing modality would have you know, a really significant effect on a, on a cultural level. Are you, are you seeing any of that kind of thing going on over across the world? Absolutely. Um, you know, so two things. First of all, uh, when you asked me the first question was what's new with me, and one of the things that I wanted to tell you, and this is a perfect dovetail, is um, we started a scholarship program. That's awesome. And it's on our website. You can go to the website, just click on the scholarship program. Where Jerry has endowed uh, half a million dollars annually to give to people 90, almost 100 scholarships a year. Eight people a month will be awarded a free stay at Rhythmia um, for the, who would otherwise be unable to afford it. And, and it's like 400% of the poverty, uh, federal poverty guidelines. So we're trying to broaden it up. Um, we just launched this a week ago. Wow. A brand new well, Rhythmia scholarship program. And, it, and it's an association with Graham Hancock, who's, a phenomenal, super famous New York Times bestselling author and longtime war correspondent from, uh, I think it was London Times. Um, so so that, that's one aspect. The, the other thing is you're saying, is this happening on a cultural level? And this is another nice tie-in in, in the question about faith versus taking the faith out, right? So um, I see this consciousness that we call ayahuasca, looking to express itself, right? It's, it's the same thing that Reverend Michael says, that, that the spirit wants to know itself as you. And only it can know itself through you and through me. Like I'm a unique iteration of a singular source. A unique, like the sunbeam is a unique iteration. The wave is a unique expression of a greater wholeness. And it's not ever separate from it, but it's a unique expression of it. And so, um, and so, in the same way, this plant is looking to, to be communicated. And it's using people like Jerry, right, 
to express this in so many ways and, 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 it's, and it's training. Like I said, there's an article in the New York Times today, Stanford and UCLA want to do studies. And you know, like it's, it's now bubbling up, right? In the consciousness, in the collective consciousness. They went specifically ayahuasca studies? Yeah, oh. all sorts of great stuff is happening. Yeah, you know, uh, they, they've been great pioneers in terms of uh, the MDA, uh, MDMA work with uh, veterans and yes. end, end of life with psilocybin. And probably Hopkins, we're probably going to jump on board with that before too long. So, you know, when, when you've got a book like Michael Pollan's uh, How to Change Your Mind being number three in the New York Times, you, you know a lot of people are thinking about Something's it. Something's happening, right? If you, if you're, are you familiar with the book, The Hundredth Monkey? I heard that concept before. I haven't read the book, but I, I know something about the story behind that, uh, to, to where uh, a spread of consciousness by non-physical means Again, right. maybe we're back to the DNA radio wave emanations. Who knows? So that's part of the mystery, right? There's some some aspect of like, oh, well, we can observe that they were given these monkeys sweet potatoes, and uh, and one monkey started washing the sweet potato, and then other monkeys on her island started washing it. When when the hundredth monkey on her island started washing the sweet potatoes, all the monkeys on all the islands started washing the sweet potatoes, right? So we could say oh, there's a scientific study that says, oh. Um, Clearly, we can observe and measure this, but the mechanism by which it happens requires a little thing, right? But we can measure it, we can see like, oh. So in the same way, this is bubbling up, and we see it in the collective consciousness, and it's, and it's spreading and expressing. Um, so I'm, I am sitting back in faith to watch. I know it's already happening, I see it, but how, how will I get to the Middle East? How will it, um, you know, get into uh, urban areas, inner city? Maybe the scholarship program. Maybe something else. Don't know. But I can. But we can see, like you said, when you have a number three on the New York Times bestseller list, a book on psychedelic mind-altering experiences. Something's happening in the collective consciousness. Absolutely. What can you tell us about how your experiences re has progressed? over from your first experience to your 15th. And that's, that's enough. From, from what I'm, enough to get some change. What I'm hearing is that somewhere around the 10th time, you kind of really start to get a grip on what's going on. And you start to really understand how to work with the medicine and how to not control it, but then how to, how to surrender to it and guide it. Would you agree? Have you, have you seen sort of a, a sort of a progression, maybe kindergarten to first grade, and so on, as you, you know, worked your way up from the first to the fifteenth. I'll answer that in two ways. One is my own personal experience, and two is what we see statistically and measurably here at Redwood. So my own personal experience is yes, there's going to be a in my uh, relationship, which is like any relationship. If if back to the premise that this is a consciousness i believe in pan consciousness i believe there's a consciousness to everything because there's one energy in everything and that energy is conscious so if i believe that and i believe this plant has a consciousness then i'm starting a relationship with it and like any relationship you know first date's a little awkward second, you know, <laughs> second date is better <laughs> 10 years into it you might be bored you know i know and i you know, we need to we need to come back together honey and go on a second honeymoon because you know we need to get some we need to rejuvenate this relationship the arc of a relationship, and so just like the relationship with the divine, I've got to put time into it, I've got to put effort into it. Um, 
but everybody, so, so yes, my relationship with this consciousness, Mother Ayahuasca, this plant, this beautiful presence um, is deepening. And, and I feel her calling sometimes. And that's kind of how I gauge it. When's my next ceremony? When I feel the call. Last time I was here, I was like, well, I don't know if I should do ceremony. Hmm. I'm pretty busy. I don't know. And I was in the shower and I was washing my face. And I had like, I don't know how long it was. It felt like an hour, but I'm sure it was 10 seconds. But the colors, the snake, I saw the snake head. I saw all these bright colors, sacred geometry. And I was like, rinse my face. I was like, okay, I guess. <laughs> I guess I should do ceremony. There's the goal. Um, so personally, yes, I've seen more facility than how to dance with the medicine. Um, what we see at Rhythmia statistically is about 30% of people come back. Typically, for the experience, they want to go deeper. They, they love the community, the sense of community, this, the vibe, the tribe, right? Like they, because they, they don't have this. People don't have this. You know, I have a, a gentleman I'm speaking to regularly who's in the military, and he you know, doesn't have this community there. Different type of community, but not this. So he loves to come back. But 70% of people don't, right? It's a one and done. They, they, they got a tremendous insight. I mean, 97.5% of our guests say this was the thing that changed their lives. Six months later, they say. That's incredible. Right? So it's not like we do, we do a survey when you leave, and then we send another one out six months later. So th that is incredible because it means it sticks, um, and it lasts. So, so for some people, the insights that they receive here are profound, and they don't need it to vision anymore. Um, other people, you know, we use it differently. Certain traditions uh, believe this is, you know, four or five times in your whole life. You don't need to do ayahuasca more than four or five times in your whole life, right? Um, other traditions, you know, it's a, it's a much more regular thing. It just depends on, on how you're dancing with it. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to definitely be a, a ladder camp. To me, it's, it's like, visiting a tropical island and you have to go home after a week and it's like the very first time I did it back in July and I felt like I had visited a, a magical land on vacation and I wanted to go back I wanted to still integrate I wanted yeah. you know I didn't mean go back there next week but the amount of time that has passed between the end of July and now we are now you know mid-October 2019 that was a really appropriate amount of time so it gave me plenty of time to yeah. integrate and think about and you know, do some more reading, you know, uh, try to balance the spiritual with the scientific and all that. And now that I'm here, um, I'll tell you all right now, this has been an absolutely perfect experience for me and uh, highly would encourage anybody to come check it out. Whether you're curious, whether you're, you know, spiritually inclined, scientifically inclined, I give it my full thumbs up. And let me let me ask you before we close if, if I could just throw in a, a, a personal experience and see what you might make of it. And, and this was on the second night of the, uh, the first retreat I went to back in July. And I was loving the music. They had about six uh, very high quality studio level musicians. Actually, the music is absolutely phenomenal. Quite a variety. Some traditionals, you know, some more uh, yeah, uh, improvisational. And during was one particular song, I all of a sudden felt a stabbing pain in my right side. And 
it wasn't nothing was there you know nothing you know, i changed i didn't get a muscle cramp or anything like that at the same time another one went down into my shoulder starting from my collarbone at that down along my scapula and i thought wow this is trying to tell me something here what's going on is this a trauma that i need to release maybe i need to purge maybe i'm supposed to do something to work with this but this is really getting uncomfortable here i was about ready to you know call for help and I got a very clear message. I said, you don't have to call it off. You have the tools right now to fix this. And it was sort of some sort of a test. And I'd been, you know, for, for years, I always kind of, you know, played with energy patterns with my hands. Sometimes I'm just lying awake in a dim, dim room before I go to sleep and, you know, you know, playing with colors of light and that kind of thing and doing some sort of, you know, energy healing throughout my own body. And, the first thing I did was I tried to purge. So I got my purge button, tried to bark, wasn't nauseated at all, couldn't bark. I'm thinking, okay, if it's not that, then what is it? And I'm going to go, help, help. I was about ready to, to really raise my hand because it was getting intolerable. And then I think, well, what, what did this message just say? I have the tools to fix it. So I laid on my side, put my left hand over, over my right side and just kind of wheeled some energy in and just held it there lightly, didn't rub it or anything like that. About 10 seconds, it was gone. You know, that's not school, that worked all of a sudden I took my right hand, put it on my left shoulder with the other hand, and in a couple seconds that was gone. So what do you make of that? I I'm not really sure completely how to how to process that. So so the question is what do I make of the way that you got rid of the pain? Yeah, yeah. Do you, um I, I guess the the I one would assume the message would be okay, I have the ability to heal pain with my hands. And sometimes it kind of works, sometimes it doesn't, you know, sometimes, you know, we'll do it with dab and, you know, put my hands on her shoulders and that kind of thing. But what, what would be your interpretation if that kind of thing had happened to you? What would you make of it? So the first thing that came to mind is, is um, as, a, as, a, as a practitioner, we talk about healing, right? And, and that the healing, the principle is that there is a perfection that the presence is perfect and that it is our essence, it's our very nature. So then we are perfect, right? And, and anything that appears that's not perfect, illness, um, disorder, disease, anything other than that's not perfect in our lives is a, uh, at some level, a misinterpretation, right? It's, a, it's not seen clearly. Um, and so that, but it's hard to see clearly because, because we're bombarded by our senses. Now, this is real. You're not me. I'm not you. Rob's not John. John's not Rob. You look different. I'm bald. You have hair. Right? <laughs> we're separate, right? Everything in life is telling us I'm separate. I'm separate. If I stand up, if I, hit, if I walk in front of a bus, I'm going to get hit, right? You can't tell me that, well, I'm one with the bus. Well, I will be, but I'm not going to be living, right? So, so there's, there's that level. But, but again, now thinking of that spectrum, of that continuum, right, of, in, of, of our expression. So on the medicine, you know, you're, you're in, a, in a much higher vibratory frequency to see things beyond what the eyes can see. To hear, Reverend Michael says it so beautifully, I want to see the invisible, hear the inaudible, and do the impossible, <laughs> right? Because in the unified field, from a quantum physics, level, quantum physics level, the unified field by necessity is all possible, all things possible, 
infinite, it's, it's every possibility. So, so when we're, when we're in denser form, it's limited possibility, right? On the medicine, it helps us, it's a tool, it helps us raise our vibration. And, and in that place, we have much more facility, right? And, and now the job is, so, so you putting your hand here and here is you're flowing at oneness with, with the source and, and you can articulate miracles, right? The, the beauty of the man that walked the earth named Jesus is that he realized to such a degree that I and the Father are one. That realization had no deviation in his mind, that he could walk on water and move mountains and raise the dead, heal the sick, and make and feed 5,000 from two loaves and five fish. Right? If we, and that's what Holmes, Ernest Holmes is saying, if I had as much faith in the spiritual law as I do in physical law, I'd be walking in a world of miracles. So you had an ability to see something in that moment and to be connected to such a powerful degree that you could heal yourself. That's available to us always if we place ourselves, if we raise our minds above confusion, if we lift ourselves out of this sense of separation. And so our continuous work is as we, you know, think, I'm thinking, I think of SpaceX, right? Like right now they can't send a guy to the moon, but they, they can take you into outer space and you can be weightless for a minute and then come in, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what we do in meditation. And that's what we do in ceremonies. We're, we're bumping up beyond physical into the metaphysical. We're moving from wave, from particle to wave, right? We're, and then we come back down, we bump up. And, we come, and every time we bump up, we're working through lack, limitation, fear, doubt, not enoughness, all the lower vibratory frequencies and we're kind of breaking through, breaking through. And the more we break through, the easier it is to see. And now we're developing this facility, this capacity to see more and more reality with a capital R. This is reality with a small r. Reality with a capital R is the full expression of who we are. So my take on that is you were seeing rightly, you were in a place of oneness, and when we are in that place of oneness, we can heal. And, and it's ad hoc when we, when it's like, we all have the capacity. We've all had experiences of being connected, thinking of someone and they call you on the phone or you run into them or that, that, you know, we've had those ad hoc experiences, but that's a lawful thing, a lawful expression. And if we can do our work to take it out of ceremony, to take it off the meditation cushion, bring it into our lives, a true realization of oneness, if we walked in the light that, I and the eternal energy of all of life are one, and I'm not separate, then I can do anything. No limit. For the spirit is not limited, neither am I, because I'm one with it. I love it. <laughs> and that's Reverend Michael. Oh, <laughs> thank you, teacher. That's, all, that's also JJ. You're awesome. Any, uh, any closing thoughts for our, our listeners? Uh, I think we've covered a lot of good things. I think we did a lot of good stuff. I'm just so grateful to have the opportunity. Thank you. It was oh, really a great, great honor. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Again, this is Rob Rowe of the Shapeshifting Reality Podcast. Also working with Deb Dashinger, Debbie Dashinger of the Dare to Dream Podcast. This will appear both places. And uh, if you like this conversation, please leave us a five-star review. Maybe throw a comment there under YouTube. All of these things help 
create visibility for uh, this show and the ideas that we discuss here for the community at large. And uh, we really appreciate that a lot. We are on Spreaker. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the usual places. So get, let's get the word out, guys. We're uh, really striving to do some good things, have some conversations with some brilliant people, and we really hope you enjoy it. Thank you very much for your support.